for the basis of this morning's meditation, the Lord has laid a portion of scripture on my heart. So if you'll turn with me to uh, James' general epistle, the general epistle of James, chapter 5, the final chapter. I'd like to start reading <clears throat> with the seventh verse. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. I've read to the end of the chapter. Let's kneel for prayer. Lord, we see that thou art coming soon. And we need to hold on faithfully, patiently believing your promises despite all pressures, both in and without. Father, we confess that we have often been distracted. And Lord, we thank you for shaking the things that we place our trust in that we can turn to the only one who will endure 
when all this collapses. Father, we pray for wisdom for those in church leadership. Pray for wisdom for those in even government who need it more than ever. We pray for endurance, for closeness with you. Father, we want to pray specifically for our dear sister Olga, who's going through treatment that's very tricky, and we just pray for your hand to be upon her. Lord, you alone are in control. We pray for healing for her and also wisdom for her medical staff. Father, you know the many struggles that are in our midst, those who are dealing with old age and loneliness and isolation. Father, we pray that you would help to lift up the fog of fear and discouragement. Pray for those who are yet seeking you, Lord, that you would help them to persevere, to indeed violently come into the kingdom, to throw off all other bondage and dominion, that they can come into the kingdom of heaven. Pray for those who are yet distracted, who despite all that is going on around us, still think with those in 1 Peter 3 that all things will continue as it was. Lord, we pray that they could also trust in your dominion rather than their own. Lord, we pray for the brother who would be speaking your word. Inspire him. Lord, that the, the word may have a, a sharp edge that could cut through the fog of our tiredness and distractedness, cut through to our heart and lay bare the things that need to be exposed and to be dealt with by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For this morning's meditation, I'm going to try to preach on a topic of which I'm perhaps least qualified <clears throat> here. You may have noticed in the portion of scripture that we've been reading together, the number of times a single word has cropped up again and again and again. And that's the word patience. I'm by nature a very impatient person. I have a hard time sitting still. I think I mentioned it before, but in my younger days, if I came up to a light that I knew was a long light and no one else was there, I'd actually get out of my car, run over and hit the crosswalk button to start the timer going, just so I wouldn't have to wait so long at the light. <laughs> Seems kind of silly, but that's how impatient I am. <laughs> If you've ever seen me working, trying to get something done, I'm trying to go as fast as possible. So patience doesn't come naturally to me. And yet, if there's been one thing that we've been needing over the last almost two years now, it's exactly that thing, patience. You know, the, the pandemic has affected a lot of areas of our life, socially, uh, personally, 
um, family interactions. We've got family south of the border that's difficult to get to now. <clears throat> We're having to tell the kids we need to wait a little longer. We've got to wait until things improve and we don't have to quarantine for two weeks when we get back home. It's required patience for them as well. But I've realized through all of this that the degree of patience that I have to exercise is actually very, very small compared to what God has asked of other believers in other places and at other times. You know, people like to throw around big words and to use hyperbole to the point where it actually is meaningless. You know, when someone uses a term online like Nazi, it doesn't mean anything even approximating who the Nazis, the National Socialists in Germany were doing back in the 1930s and 40s. They, you know, uh, the other one too is that people throw around words like kill a lot, and yet if people mentioned it as much as they did it, we'd have homicide on a massive scale. People use words, and they, uh, they don't really think of what they mean. And sometimes, you know, even in the church, we've used words like persecution, We've got to be careful with that word. I'm afraid that the Lord will make us eat those words one day if we think that this really is comparable to what other believers have suffered. You only need to look at Martyr's Mirror to see what the followers of the Lord have experienced in the past, and it's been dreadful. And the patience that they exhibited during those times have been uh, incredible. I, I'm almost finished reading um, the, the book. It looks like a little black Zion's harp. Uh, the Apostolic Christian Church History, for those of you that have a copy. It was compiled by uh, Brother Ruger in Switzerland, and he talks about what happened in each of the churches. And I guess as a young man, I, I started flipping through it and didn't find it all that interesting. But now that I'm older and have picked it up again and I'm reading through it, it somehow hits a lot closer to home. And by that I mean there's accounts of families there's accounts of uh, people that started on the right way and then went back and left. There were, there were, there were schisms of breakups in churches. There was times where they outgrew a building and had to build a new building, and they talk about even the price of the building and who provided for it and how they modified it. And I think about our own church building project here, you know, about a, almost a decade ago now. I, I realize, too, that when you, when you see in there some of the things that the believers faced in terms of deprivation of goods and breaking up of families, it's a lot worse than we have it today. And that helps me to remember and to perhaps <clears throat> try to learn patience a little bit more diligently. But I see in these verses that we've read together actually a prescription for patience, keys, if you would, for patience, godly keys. Patience is not paralysis. It's not simply just freezing and not doing anything. That's not really patience. That's fear. Patience is different. It's active. We're going to read a few of these verses together, and with the Lord's help, hopefully both you and I will learn from this. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. That's the grand theme of patience in Scripture. 
there is an expected day. As the Old Testament saints looked forward to the day that Messiah would come, the New Testament saints now look forward to the day that he will return. And we would not need patience for that if everything would go according to our likes and wishes or according to what we thought God should be doing. But we will see ungodly men flourishing. We will see things that are out of order spiritually. We will see uh, seemingly the wicked getting away with it, even being rewarded for what they're doing, and the just and the good being punished. We'll see all that. And therefore, we will need patience until the Lord will return. So that's the grand scheme of things. So every Christian obviously needs patience, especially me. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Back in the spring, um, my girls planted a small, very modest garden. We went to Canadian Tire and grabbed some, potato, uh, some tomato plants and we had some beans that they grew and we had more beans than we knew what to do with. But not much of a garden, really. But then my family had the opportunity to go to the States for the summer and to spend time with a family they hadn't seen in over, well over a year and uh, to participate in some things like VBS that we didn't have here. So they went and they left me with the garden. So, I mean, it wasn't much in the way of gardening. But one of the things that I noticed, because when I got home from work, I'd invariably go out into the backyard and go check on the plants and see which tomatoes were ripening. There's no good to pick fruit early. You've, you've wasted everything that's gone before by plucking the fruit too early. All of your preparation, going to the store and getting the plants, watering it, weeding it, that's all wasted if you don't wait for the fruit to be properly ripened. And so that's a good, a good lesson in patience for me as well, is that the Lord is waiting for things to ripen. Don't fault him for not... Um, seemingly uh, uh, reaching out and, 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 and plucking the fruit now. He's waiting for the, ripe, the proper degree of ripeness. You wait too long and it spoils, but too early and it doesn't have any taste. So he's waiting, and we best learn from him. Be also patient. Establish your hearts. I like that. The Lord is patient, so we also need to be patient. That's hard to remember sometimes. If God's got all the power and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, yet that's not what Scripture tells us in terms of God's patience. He waits as well. And so since he waits, like he is holy, we are to be holy. He is patient, we also need to be patient. And he is waiting with us. That's a useful reminder for me. These things also vex the Lord, and he is waiting. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. There was a notable um, trial in the, in the States uh, just recently that concluded, and I'm not going to go into the details of that, but it's interesting to see how the world, the media, the public waits with bated breath on the results of the verdict. And when the judge walks in in his robes and sits down and then addresses the jury to deliver their verdict, everyone waits with expectation. One day the judge will judge, and he will judge righteously. 
things will be set in order in their proper time. But like you can't rush a court case, the evidence all needs to be heard, everything needs to be weighed properly, you can't rush God and his judgment. We read in the, in the Old Testament how he waited 400 years for the iniquity of the Amalekites to wax full. And during those 400 years, his own people were suffering in Egypt. Don't you think that caused him pain? We sometimes miss the big picture because our pain is the only thing we see. And we do not see how God also suffers and waits patiently. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. That's a good reminder for us. You want to make something painful, unnecessarily painful? Hold a grudge. It hurts you and does nothing against the other person. That's not the recipe for patience. Remember to clear up these things early. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. We just concluded a lengthy study on uh, Elijah and, Eli- and, and uh, Elisha. And the things that they went through and how they had to wait often on God. Sometimes for years in isolation. Don't you think that was tough for them as well? We are in good company when we wait patiently on the Lord. I heard it also said, that time spent waiting on God is never wasted time. The only waste happens when we're not waiting patiently on him, when we take things into our own hands. You remember Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael, the results of not waiting patiently on the Lord. Pain for generations, even up till this present day. Strife and rivalry and killing and bloodshed in the household of Abraham. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You know, once you see the end of your patience, then the patience doesn't seem so so burdensome, right? The champion who gets uh, the gold medal, all of those hours of preparation and pain and uh, deprivation even, right? They have to keep themselves from certain things. They all seem worth it and light compared to the glory of the moment. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, I think the reason that <coughs> sports is, is such a, a spectator sport is that people like to somehow um, uh, take part, vicariously enjoy the exaltation of the one who has received the rewards of their, their patience, endurance, and skill. We, 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 we delight in that. I mean, you just have to, sometimes when a big goal is scored during the World Cup, and then they show you the shot of the crowd, and beer is flying in the air, and everyone's jumping up and down like children. I mean, they're grown men doing this, behaving like this, you know, hugging total strangers. It's just, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting moment, an interesting picture of, of, of fulfillment, right? Of all the work and the effort that went into that. Now, if you remember from Wednesday's Bible study that we just concluded in in 1 Peter, the word that Peter uses is hope. And that hope is not a wishful thinking. It's an actual expectation of an expected end. And that 
same kind of mindset allows us both to endure and to have that, that happiness even ahead of time, knowing what our reward will be. There's a key to patience. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Things looked pretty rough for Job for quite a while, didn't it? What he was going through, what his friends were throwing in his face. If Job had ended early, it would be a pretty depressing book. But we know how it ends, and even better than knowing how it ends, we know what was going on in the middle when Satan was accusing Job before God. We have the big picture. We understand. So knowing this, we can also infer some things for our current situation. When we're going through difficult situations, when we're going through uh, uh, trials of our own, or even things like this pandemic, there are other things going on, spiritual things, of which we have no visibility. And God simply asks us to trust him. It's hard. But we know the end of Job. We know what happened there, and we can trust the same God that he will deal in the same merciful way with us. And perhaps even now he's saying to heavenly beings, have you considered my servant? Insert your name there. Because of the way that he endures, or the way that she endures. <clears throat> but above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. This verse seems totally out of place here, doesn't it? How can this fit with this discussion of patience about not swearing? I mean, legal documents and oaths and where does that fit in? Well, think about it. When we swear, we are adding emphasis to our own words. We're told in scripture that uh, an oath is, is for an ending of strife. It's to be a serious confirmation now of, of your intent to fulfill. Well, if you know and if you've been considering what uh, the Apostle James has been telling us here, you realize how little power you really have. So where you can say yes, say yes. Where you must say no, say no. But don't try to pull weight out of heaven to add strength to your words, or to act as if you have the power to fulfill. We're instructed elsewhere, too, that we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. When we wait on the Lord, when we with patience possess our souls, as the scripture also says, then we put power and authority in its proper place. We don't try to borrow some of it for ourselves. That's a good key for patience. And it's actually helped me. Things that I realize that I cannot control, I've learned how to put away and not worry about. I can't control that. I can't do anything about that situation. I need to simply leave it. That's God's to worry about. There's nothing that I, I have a, uh, nothing that I can influence there. It's not up to me. And that provides both rest and, and fuel for our patience to continue enduring. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. When we're waiting, if we're happy, let's sing. 
we should be a singing people. Why? Because we have that hope that is assured. So even though things may be pretty crummy right now, we have an expected end and a blessing to come that we're sure of. I remember it being said by uh, one of the sisters actually from our church here that they actually as young people used to look forward to funerals. They used to look forward to funerals because it was one time when the government would allow them to get together and to sing. And they loved that singing. Seems kind of sad, macabre even, right? But for one who realizes and expects something from the Lord, even death can be an opportunity to rejoice. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. You know, in American politics especially, I really dislike the way that they pull religious things into secular um, debate because they are saying things that are spiritual, yet they themselves are completely carnal in their actions and outlook and speech. They'll say things like thoughts and prayers are with so-and-so, and it's become empty. It's meaningless. You don't depend on those prayers to do anything. You take the matter into your own hands. That's just meant to be a salve for those that are suffering. But prayer is not like that. Prayer is an avenue of power to the Almighty, to the one who controls all things. Let's keep reading. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And here we have a description of anointing someone with oil and praying over them. And it says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, there's some people that have taken that out of context and just said, well, okay, two things are going on. Pray and someone should be healed. God guarantees it. If he didn't come through, you didn't have enough faith. And there's the back door. Yet we see that is not the way. Christ himself said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. That's the proper attitude. Christ, again, provides the pattern for us. We have desires, things that we would like to see. We've been praying now for a while for little uh, uh, Jacob Weinhardt from, uh, from Kitchener, Brother Ben and Sister Lori's son, who's got inoperable cancer. Young child, three years old. We dearly love to see the Lord work a miracle in his life and confound the doctors. But we don't know his full will. We can't claim to know his full will. He reserves things for himself after his own counsel, it says in Scripture. So we need to pray, let thy will be done. Because we also understand this we grasp in faith, that God's will is ultimately best, even if it doesn't look like it at the time. And so that, I believe, is also a key to patience for us. It's interesting that it adds here, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And then it goes on to say, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Proper godly patience cannot exist where there is hidden sin. It simply cannot. As we discussed on, on Wednesday night, 
God is holy, and he only allows holy beings into his presence. You cannot wait in the presence of God with knowing sin in your life that you are concealing. It needs to be confessed and forsaken. You will have unrest until that happens. Or worse, you will turn to your own devices and try to come up with a way around that period of waiting. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I confess I struggle with that verse because I don't feel very righteous all the time. And I sometimes wonder if my own prayers are hindered and ineffective because of a lack of righteousness on my part. But that doesn't mean that I can get around that. I need to be holy as he is holy. There's no excuse for that. He's given me everything I need. Christ was in this world fully equipped by God, a man, God with us, but a man still among us, living a holy life in the middle of an unholy world. I have those same tools that he had, the same access, the same scriptures, and even more, because at Christ's time, he had only the Old Testament recorded there for him. Now I know and see and understand so much more. If the Old Testament saints, and now we go into Elijah here, if the Old Testament saints could wait on the Lord, how much, more, how much better equipped am I to wait on him? You know, the, the verse that also gives me some comfort here is that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And we can put in there, too, that verse that speaks about Christ. It says he was tempted in all points like we were. God understands us. That should be fuel also for patience for us to realize that he has not put on us more than we are able to bear and has equipped us and even offered a way of escape when it's too much. That gives me comfort. And I realize, too, that that way of escape may not always look look like a way of escape as I would describe it to someone else. We have a song in our Zion's Harp that we don't sing very often, but the words are very deep and meaningful. The title is, Sweet Death, Come Thou. For the believer, death is also an escape. And there have been those who have joyfully accepted that as God's means of escape from unholy men. doesn't sound very savory to our comfortable Western unimpeded lifestyle here. But that has been a blessing for the saints of God even in the past because, again, there was a hope that was beyond death. As I get older, I realize that we all must die. I mean, I knew that before. But as, as I become older, I realize that's true also of me. And there's, a, there's, there's a, an immediacy to it, a realization to it that death is also coming for me one day. And in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter if it's a little sooner or a little later, as long as I'm found in the will of God? No. And so I can admire those saints of God that have chosen death over dishonoring their Lord. That also helps my patience. 
when I realized the Lord hasn't asked that of me yet. Because perhaps he's being patient with me because I'm not ready for something like that. I don't know. But it is important to keep these things in our mind's eye because we don't know what's coming. We don't realize what we still may have to endure. You know, there's a song in the gospel hymns that talks about God holding the key of tomorrow. And if he gave it to me, I might be sad because I would see what was still coming. But in his wisdom, he's kept it and he only gives me one day at a time. That's also a good reminder. Can you imagine what a burden <clears throat> life would be if you knew ahead of time exactly what your life would contain and all of the events in it? Perhaps as a young person, you would look over the, over the path of your life, see it and say, you know what, that doesn't look too good to me. I think I want to end it now. Why go through all of that? But you realize the joys that you would be robbing from yourself from day to day. None of our paths are, are completely predetermined in the sense that they are set in stone and there's nothing that you can do about it. When God made man in his own image, he released a cause into the universe that had the ability to decide for itself the human will. Still within the context of God's will, his will is still accomplished through our free choice, and that's a mystery, so don't ask me to explain that to you. But he gives us these things day by day that we would learn not only about him but about ourselves. And his will for us has always been through a daily walking with him. Ever since Enoch and even before that, walking with him day by day that we would learn about him and about his character. And one day we would simply step over and be with him. And that is the expected end of the saint. That's why death doesn't need to hold fear for us. That's why we can be patient even if things get worse from here, not better. You know, personally, I'm done with this pandemic. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of lies. I'm tired of changing policy. I'm tired of them moving the goalposts again and again and again and again. But I realize this is a good opportunity for me to practice, to exhibit, to show patience to others, even my children. How will they learn patience if I'm impatient? There's one more key to patience here. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. There's things to do right now while we are waiting. Where you see one straying, where you see a brother or sister not exhibiting the patience that they should, they're letting things get to them, or they're suffering under a heavy load, reach out, help them, encourage them. If nothing else, look at your own life and be thankful that the Lord hasn't laid some of those burdens on you. But then ask yourself the question, well, why hasn't he laid a burden on me? Not that I desire a burden, but maybe there's something that I'm not ready for yet. 
And so I need to learn so that I will exhibit the proper patience at the proper time. The Lord is coming. The judge stands before the door. In patience, possess your souls. May the Lord add whatever was lacking. Amen.